Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons. And today we are talking about character backstories and creativity through collaboration. And we are joined by... James D'Amato. Uh, I am normally the host of the One Shot and Campaign Skyjacks podcasts and the author of the Ultimate RPG Guide series published by Adams Media. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. Hey, James. Hey, everyone. I, first of all, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course. Thank you for having for coming on, man. Yeah, we really appreciate you being here. Mm-hmm. Truly. And we're going to talk about some really cool stuff today, so I'm, I'm into it. I am so ready to dive in. <laughs> yes, let's do it. So today is going to be a different kind of episode from our usual by-the-topic lecture. We're going to be having an open discussion on character backstories, how we go about writing them, our experiences with some of the pitfalls of over- or underdevelopment, and the power of collaborative creativity, both in character creation, backstory, and in world-building as a dungeon master. Um, and we are joined by the an authority on the topic and our wonderful guest, RPG expert and author of the newly released book, The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, Expanded Genres Edition, James D'Amato. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you. Thank you for, for the accolades and laurels. I kind of feel like everybody's on the same level here. We're, we're all podcasters. We're all doing the actual play. You can see our successes and our mistakes like pretty well. So true. <laughs> pretty well established in our true. body of work um <laughs> but yeah yeah I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this topic it's one that's near and dear to my heart i've written two books now on on backstory and uh uh really ready to go all right well let's get into it so i wanted to open this discussion up with what each of us maybe considers the fundamentals of backstory creation um i have a full a few bullet points here you know i think Giving yourself a motivation for the game's adventure um, is is one of them. Creating a character history that informs a personality and abilities and plenty of room for growth are probably my big three bullet points. But when you are thinking about creating backstory for a character, what what do you think are like the fundamentals? Uh, for me, I, I think the big thing that I, I want to frame all things that you do in gaming through is 
it's a form of communication. Um, when you are making choices in game actively, you are communicating with your party and how well you communicate your ideas is how well they can build on them. Backstory is like usually one of the first bits of communication that you get between the people that you're playing with. Um, so yeah. I really want to emphasize that like, it's good to put things clearly and try and identify the things that are most important to you. And open those things up to be collaborated with. Um, I, I think backstory, you can kind of fall into a trap of being too rigid with things, uh, which makes it hard mm. for people to like move forward and build with you. Uh, but if you focus on like finding what's important to me and how do I make this something that people can build on, then you are setting yourself up for success. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, well said. <clears throat> um. That kind of feeds into another one of what I think is the fundamentals because you're talking about a bit of the flexibility is an, is an important aspect of it. You know, that's why I think talking to your DM and making sure that there is a good synergy between the character that you're trying to make and the game that's being run, whether that's, you know, setting, genre, the, just the world building and, and other party members, etc. I just communication is key. And like you said. Um, backstory is like one of those first big pieces of information that you're communicating, not just between you and the DM, but between the entire party. <clears throat> yeah, if you're a group that plays with a, sec a session zero, like a lot of this communication might be built into doing that, like, you know, just sitting yeah. down and going, what kind of game we want to play and whatnot. But usually I feel like you have your session zero or you have your, you know, initial conversations about what you want the game to be. And then you get some time with yourself kind of away from everybody else and think about what your character's backstory is. So that is mm. like taking those foundational things from session zero or, you know, the initial concept email that you you get from whoever's organizing everything um and really ruminating on it um and then coming back with something new so like because you're alone like there's a period of time where it's not collaborative or it doesn't feel collaborative because like mm -hmm. you've taken in the information you're trying to synthesize it into something that can be built with and built upon so like you want to make sure that your ideas are staying true to those initial concepts like if you're like oh yeah we're doing you know dirt farmers uh running around on the country countryside from different monsters it's like well maybe this isn't the session to break out like the secret pin prince background or if you right. do <laughs> you really got to be prepared for that not to pay off in the way that you might be expecting it to yeah that's that's very true <clears throat> um and and speaking of that i think my biggest one that i that i especially when it comes to new players uh and their backstories is i always say give yourself plenty of room for growth remember that the adventure the the main adventure hasn't happened yet so don't make the main adventure be your backstory don't leave it where you know you being a level one doesn't even make sense if you take into consideration everything you've written for the backstory um yeah man if i had a nickel for everybody who like built themselves a backstory that like oh i'm a former demon general and i you know <laughs> had a world and and it's like that can be a, a cool backstory, probably won't work in most uh, like D&D &D games. And certainly like right. if you're coming in at level one or level three, it's like you're going to be real disappointed about your capabilities in the game versus the character that you want to play in, the, in your head. So like really scaling the power level of your backstory to the game that you're about to play is going to set you up for success in a big way. 
Yeah, there's so, a, I've seen a lot of cool workarounds for that issue because a lot of players want to bring that cool storied character. Like, I have all this, like, this is why my character is so cool. I brought so much with it. And, like, having this really excellent, like, a, like you know, a demon general that's been depowered. Yeah. It's, like, frustrated with their weakness now. Sure, that, that could like a be cool a way to, like, make play. that work. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It, it is limited, though. There's only mm. so much you can do to bring that forward. Right. And that, that's right. probably the main one. Yeah, ex exactly. Like you, you, you have to make the concept flexible. Like if you did want to be the former demon general, then you're like, yeah, except like a deep powered storyline or story arc, it will mm -hmm. make role playing with that character extremely fun. If like you're used to being this world shattering conqueror and like now all of a, all of a sudden your best spell is like prestigitation, uh, like... <laughs> <laughs> that is a really fun journey to go on, but like you yeah. need to accept it. And part of that is like sure. knowing that, yeah, the story is going to be moving forward from here. It essentially reminds me of um, the Thor origin story from the MCU. It's like he was Thor, God of Thunder, this and that. Until Odin strips of his powers, banishes him to Midgar, and now he's a level one human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, level one human. <laughs> level one human with level 18 strength. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with 18 strength. God, he was ripped. <laughs> So buff, so lightning. Um, this leads to to the the next most important thing in my eyes is that it is I, I feel like it is the duty of the player to come up with a motivation for the game's ad adventure. You know, don't don't put the onus on the DM to to make you interested. Give hooks to your DM that he has something to 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 bring you along with to pull everyone in the same direction. I think that is a great point. Um, and definitely like framing it through, there are two ways that you can go about this. The, the first is giving your GM hooks. Like, and what we mean when we say that is like, give your character things that they care about. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it, it is a popular trope also to play a character who's like, well, I don't really want to be here. I want to, I was studying in a wizard school and then my mentor sent me out on a quest and I would actually like to return to wizard school and continue studying. But like, if there is a compelling reason that you will accept being out in the world or something that is more important to you than even like staying cloistered up studying, your, your DM can work with that and construct scenarios to help motivate you to engage with the plot. The other way of doing things that I personally find much simpler is just go into your DM and being like, hey, what's this about? How can I mm -hmm. construct something in my yeah. backstory so that I really care about this? If there's a big, bad, evil guy, how can I get it so that I hate the big, bad, evil guy? Or I am in love with the big, bad, evil guy and feel very conflicted about everything <laughs> they're doing. Like, you know, there there is yeah. a way... Uh, but like if you are building into your backstory, it's a great opportunity for you to invest in the things that your DM is doing. I, I kind of find like a lot of well-meaning, but like not really working backstories tend to revolve solely around the just the character's experience and don't connect to anything else, whether it is yeah. the DM story or, you know, campaign general plot line or the other <laughs> characters around them. Um Finding opportunities to tie your character and their backstory to everyone else around you is going to make it so much stronger overall because then all the action in the game that happens will be relevant to you. Yeah. And that's why I think session zeros are super invaluable. Um, we just recently had a session zero for an upcoming campaign we're going to do. And I'm the DM for that one. And I'm like, okay, guys. 
this is the this is the state of the world this is what's happening and this is like what i generally want the story to be focused on let's now talk about characters and how we can make them like fit onto the squad that's essentially on a suicide squad to save the world <clears throat> yeah that's a cool concept like uh like that in that example i'm one of the players and it was easy to give a hook like mm-hmm. you know when the world is ending and yeah, yeah. Your, all your character <laughs> has to want is to do something about it right so they'll they'll struggle against that i i also like the idea of like we mentioned um having that wall up as a player character like my character doesn't want to do this adventure they want to their goal is outside of the adventure mm-hmm. so a campaign where you can have like you kind of force them into a box like you can't go home until you do this and that's the only way so get to know these people and mm-hmm. l- learn to work with them or else you know yeah. and a reluctant hero is you know that's, it's a compelling storyline and it's a trope we've seen a thousand times because it's good yeah um, it, it's good it so works it, you it just done. you do need to let yourself be uh the hero even if you are reluctant like if you're Bilbo mm-hmm. Baggins you gotta let yourself be dragged out of Hobbiton because otherwise yeah, nothing exactly. happens <laughs> right you can't just sit there with your arms folded no no you really can't um I think another point of building a backstory is I think when you're when you're making the backstory for, from your character when you add elements, whether that's NPCs or just events, um, origins, all that other stuff, I think it should be done with the intent of whatever this thing is that you're adding, it's going to enhance something that happens later in the game. Like adding things with the intent of it enhancing the future story rather than having like, I, I think too many elements in a backstory that are wrapped up by the end of the backstory it doesn't it's not doesn't serve that great of a purpose for the game yeah i i think like a general awareness that the things that you're putting in the backstory are things that are going to be used and if you as a player have kind of a preference over how those things might be used it's a good thing to say up front you know um Mm -hmm. like if you are going to give yourself like a, a wife and kid in your backstory you can when you're turning it into your dm go hey i give myself a life and kid i'm totally cool with them uh showing up in the plot i don't want them to die uh so like <laughs> being <laughs> being very upfront about like I'm, you know, this is a tool. This is a narrative tool that I'm giving to you. I'm putting it here because I'm excited about it and I'm interested in it Mm -hmm. and putting up the parameters of like, hey, these are the things that I'm most excited about. These are the things that I would really like to avoid, um, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, if if we can. Because then, like, if I'm receiving that as a DM, I'm like, great. I know exactly how I should approach these characters, the kind of things that I, I can, like, use these characters for to underscore in the game. And I also know what you are disinterested in. So I don't do something that wildly disappoints you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, and again, it comes down to communication. And I think we exist now in a space where I think that is more of the norm, this communication between DMs and players. Um, And I think uh, in the past, it wasn't such a way, you know, I think there was more of the mentality of the DM versus the players, not so much in a purely antagonistic way. But in a in an impish, devious, like, oh, I'm the DM, what am I going to do to you kind of way. And I think we are and we have moved away from that. And it's kind of been like that at my tables for a very long time of like, I'm not trying to kill you. I'm trying for us to make an awesome story. So, yeah, if there's something you're super adverse to, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put you in that situation. Yeah, death is something that is like should be talked about yeah. beforehand, I think, most of the time. Mm-hmm. 
um, or at least like foreshadowed in some way or like communicated. I think that that's like it can really upset the player dynamic if someone unexpectedly dies. Um, it's more narratively mm-hmm. interesting, or maybe it's not. I mean, maybe sometimes like the dice killing your character and forcing that in the story that I mean that's part of the game we're yeah, playing yeah that is too, part right? of the game but but you can talk about that at session zero whether you you as a group are interested in that aspect or not for instance at our most recent one death is a very real possibility this is going to be a grim dark adventure so like can someone die yeah will someone die I mean there's a good chance it could happen but we talked about that beforehand so we're all mentally kind of prepared for it yeah yeah and you're bringing in the backstories that you know you feel are a- appropriate to that like the grim dark adventure again isn't maybe oh i'm the sole proprietor of an orphanage and i adventure to make everything go so if you're if you die in the grim dark adventure it's like oh that's 12 kids too but so yeah like, <laughs> that's a good point that's hilarious. working in that world it's like okay yeah i can build a grim dark guy i live in a garbage can and i hate everything so i fit into this world that hates me right back you know and uh i am right. emotionally prepared to receive any fate that that uh, approaches me mm-hmm. i really I, re- I feel attacked right now <laughs> I, just, I just you just nailed my character <laughs> for this game oscar the <laughs> grouch you played oscar the oh, grouch yeah the, the depressed version, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but all that you fit. sub It'll out fit. the grouchiness for depression and you nailed it, mm-hmm. you nailed the construct for sure. <laughs> so, on the dungeon master side of things, which is the side that pertains to me uh, more so than the other side because I'm the forever DM, um, I have learned over these last 13 years of dungeon mastering that, like, why, how do, how do I put this? I, I let the players in my game do a lot of the heavy lifting early on when it comes to the world building because you know i'll be like this is the general setting this is the genre this is the feel let's talk about it give me your characters give me some backstories and then once i have the backstories i'm like okay how do i build a campaign setting around these three four backstories so that like everyone's important everyone has motivation and no one feels left out or and nothing gets forgotten and it has been really rewarding because it ends up um it ends up filling out my world in a way that um, w- it wouldn't have been otherwise. Um, yeah, I, I find it really invaluable as as the DM to like take in as much information as I can from the players, especially up top, and incorporate it throughout whatever I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. And a, a thing to note with that, especially like since we're talking about backstory from the DM's perspective, is focus on like like try to sit with some discernment about how you want to receive this information how is it going to be useful uh some people can like you know take a page or three to four pages of like densely written backstory some people need bullet points uh some people like me i gotta have you say it to me it has to be a real conversation uh for me to be able to like incorporate it so like figure out i think i'm in that boat and and yeah communicate like what's the best way for you to receive this um i definitely want a conversation because i want to be able to go as you explain things to me like ooh, could this be related to this or that be related to that so i've like Mm -hmm. kind of built built it with you in sort of an active collaboration um but yeah like figure out how you want to receive that information, how you can make it useful to you. Because like, if your players are coming up with these backstories, if they're coming up with these ideas, they are telling you what they want to see in the game. 
They are telling you how to give them a good time. And that's like a little bit your job as, as the DM. So that's making the job easier. (laughs) It really is. It really, really is. Yeah. The game isn't as fun and like a bland, you know, just with the, here is now a troll. You will fight troll now. Yeah. (laughs) Initiative time. Roll dice. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Came from under the bridge, like very plain. Right. So if, if you're not describing the world and bringing that to the table, then yeah. The game loses that shine that I think most people are drawn to it with. The collaborative storytelling is super duper important. Yeah. I learned at a very, very early DM age that I am not the author of a, of a book. That is not what's <laughs> happening here. That's not what this game is. Like, I'm not dictating to the players what story is being told. It's like we're deciding together. And we're like, that's, I mean, and that's 90% of the joy right there is we all don't know exactly where it's going, but together we find it. And the reveals along the way are the most exciting part of the game for me. Yeah, over planning, over communicating in D&D is, is a real thing. And I, I really love the the advice you get from some tabletop RPGs that tell you specifically, like, leave blank space on the map. Leave blank space for your character to improve and grow. If you have it all figured out, session one, then, like, you're not progressing towards much, really. Yeah. I want to use... um. Our live play, which is which is about to come to an end here in a minute, um, Super Quest Saga, and without character backstories, it would have just been a completely different adventure. I mean, we start off with Carter the Warlock, right? Yeah. And his entire backstory informed who who the bad guy was. I didn't have a bad guy, but when Carter showed up, it gave me a bad guy. Right. Yeah. Um, we had some cool some cool conversations about what it means for somebody like Carter to live in the world. Right. Yeah. And then when uh, Jake chose to be a druid in this new futuristic setting. I had to figure out, well, how do druids work in this futuristic setting? I come up with the galactic spirit and all this other stuff, which has become integral, hugely integral to the story. Yeah. Um, And the same goes with uh, Josh choosing the paladin and how do paladins work. And even his race played in a lot. And his race played in a lot too, but also just like the nature of his faith just transforming over the course of the adventure. Like all of that is backstory and it would have been just an utterly different thing if you guys had chosen three utterly different things. Yeah, like if we had like a fighter, a bard, and a yeah, sorcerer. it would have been a totally different adventure. Yeah, 100%. Let's see here. I don't know, you got any points you want to bring up? Um, Like just in, just in general, I think I, I, th- I hit my main thing, which is I, I like leaving the blank space to, to work with. You know, um, you really don't have to have it all figured out. But if mm. you do have, like one of the things we talked about I really liked was if you... If you bring up something to your DM, like, hey, my character's mom is super important to them. Please don't kidnap her. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, because if you leave something valuable like that on the table, the D- idle hands and whatnot, the DM is yeah. going to pick it up and play with it probably. So um, if you don't want that coming up, like, dude, that's kind of triggering or something like that. Or like, I really don't want my character to have to go through that. Maybe we could work something else out if that's what you have in mind. Right. Um, you know, that that's really great. I, I like that. And I haven't really... Um, address that in that way with the, with my players um so that would that's something for my personal games to bring up and and sort of hit on with uh like are there things that are not okay you mm. know because mm-hmm. you're telling me what is okay but we haven't really discussed like what's specifically okay. what's not okay yeah and like and that, bring that's it, cool bring it up in the context of like what would you like to see is is something mm-hmm. that like is really useful and 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 really like easy and clarifying for you to do as as the dm because like hey is this character's mother going to be like 
Mallory Archer and like constantly judgmental <laughs> and like talking down it. everything you do. <laughs> like, is this going to be more of a Gilmore girl situation where like, you, yeah, you get along really well. You're both kind more of supportive. a mess and supportive <laughs> still, despite like, there are a lot of ways for that to break. Um, And like, as a player, just saying like, Oh, my character has a mother is so much different than like, describing what the shape of that mother is in your head and how mm. you kind of want that to impact your character journey. Um, and that all breaks down to communication. It is only communicating half an idea. If you say my character has a mother, it is communicating yeah. a whole idea of like, yeah, my character has a mother and like things are not going well, or my character has a mother and I've never met her. Like that's right. huge. Yeah. There's a lot that that's you can huge. do with that. <laughs> right. And then the, my question is in the end, well, do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> shout out to the team of Gong Gong. Shout out to, shout out to, shout out to the team of Gong Gong. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the team of Gong Gong. Shout out to, shout out to, shout out to the team of Gong Gong. Oh, Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So James, you wrote, you wrote a book all about character backstories, the ultimate RPG character backstory guide. Um... That's a big endeavor. What inspired you to write that book? Um, well, uh, I, I suppose it is a little bit telling on us uh, for me to say that the first character backstory guide, my publisher uh, sought me out as just somebody 
who had a podcast was doing an actual play and they're like, we've got this concept. We would like somebody to write a backstory guide. Um, and hilariously, I originally thought they're like, yeah, it would be a guide that's got like a hundred different like exercises and activities that you would use to generate backstory. And I thought they were mm. pitch pitching me like an anthology and like they sent the order for the writing sample and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll write like three different exercises that I think would be cool, send those off. And then like a couple of weeks later, they sent over a contract being like, you're going to write 50,000 words on this. And I'm like, I was just writing three exercises. I didn't think I was <laughs> going to do a whole book. Um, but like it, the first backstory guide, like turned into me trying to think through like, what do I need? What do I kind of think usually gets left on the table? Like, if I if you told me to come up with a backstory for a character, especially with a session zero, especially with like race class and like if I've got a couple levels, like there's there are things that I can pull out to create a story for a character. But there are plenty of things that like add flavor and depth to a character that I think can get left on the table. And if you're like me, just playing the game is not enough for you. Like when I am playing a good game, like I go home and I think about it. I'll talk mm -hmm. my spouse's ear off about it. Mm -hmm. I'll be mm -hmm. sitting around. And so the idea of the backstory guide is not just to give people like the ability to like, you know, new ideas for how to develop their character's backstory, but also give them space to play that is away from the table that can still have an impact on what they do at the table. Um, it's this uh, concept that I've come to call personal play. The idea that like, if you spent six hours, you know, creating a character and you spent four hours playing D&D, &D, then I would say that week you played 10 hours of D&D &D, uh, because <laughs> all the stuff that you did, like some people, like I have a couple friends, the most fun that they have is coming up with new characters. Like they like it playing an addictive them, process. but yeah, it's like, it's even more fun <laughs> to create new ones. Um, and so mm -hmm. I wanted to create a resource for people like that, something that would give them more room to play, more room to have fun and might lead them in directions of like really useful narrative stuff. Uh, so like the first backstory guide, like had exercises that like, Hey, let's look at five things that you carry around in your adventurers pack that you don't need that your character has never needed and figure out why you're holding on to those things. Um, interesting. There's another that's just like, hey, let's look at five different scars that are on your adventurer's body and like kind mm. of where they came from and how they feel about them and how they look and whatnot. Because these are all things like reasonably, if you're playing a fighter, that character probably has scars. But unless yeah, it wouldn't make sense for them not to. Unless you had the like the foresight to be like, yeah, my character's got the one scar across his eye. Uh to show these bad <laughs> like you're probably not thinking about, yeah, this is a scar that I got on my thigh because when I was 12, I got like bit by a horse. Like <laughs> and that that like even if that feels insignificant and silly, like that makes your character so much more of a real person. Um right. So, so that's space that I wanted to create. Um, and I I did a lot of that in, in the first guide, this second one, um, I wanted to drill down on giving people like actionable ways, not just to create and generate backstory, but to bring backstory up in the game and help incorporate mm -hmm. it into what you're doing. Two of the exercises in this book are dedicated to character secrets. Um, 
in like if your character has a secret there's an exercise that uh where you draw cards from a playing card deck and those are tied to prompts that help you explain to yourself why you keep your secret um because like some secrets it's like not entirely obvious why you wouldn't just tell the party right away and it's like right. hard to authentically play that this exercise like uh through telling you like how revealing your secret in the past has hurt you or other people um it sort of like gives you like a real reason of like ooh this is why i'm holding this secret close to my chest and the next exercise is it, you can combine it with the first one to take the cards that you drew and tie it to prompts of how you might be letting your secret out, like accidentally saying something about, you know, oh, yeah, when I was sailing uh, because you're secretly a pirate in, in your past or whatnot, like <laughs> little ways that you can like slowly reveal your secret to the rest of the party and bring right. them into it. Um so yeah, like I, I tried to split the difference of like creating like actionable, useful backstory and giving you methods and mini games that you can use while you are playing to help those backstory elements actually show up in what you're doing. That's really cool. Um, I, I really like the first part with, with the exercises because it, it really does make a difference when those little details exist because when they come up fluidly, just having them offhand to be able to be like, oh yeah, this scars from this or etc cetera, etc cetera. like it does make your character feel more real yeah you're boosting the richness of the experience yeah. with those techniques for sure um yeah those are those are all really great approaches definitely and i'm really into the the fact that not only do you have like the the methods for for developing the secrets but also like how can those secrets be revealed because that's the truth of it if your character has a secret that you cared enough to talk to the dm about it's because you you want it to be revealed at some point. Yeah, exactly. So, it, it, yeah. Giving yourself a character secret, like, yeah, I'm just going to hold on to this the whole game. It's like, well, why does it exist? Um, right. But it's also like hard if you are a player, like some players are really attached to the idea and I'm not in this space. They're really attached to the idea of if I've got a secret, I'm holding it from the rest of the party because otherwise it's spoilers or whatever. And here's the thing. Hmm. If you really want to keep a secret, you can. And it can mm -hmm. be really disappointing when everybody is completely underwhelmed by your secret because like it's well, it never showed up in the game. So I, I right. didn't know how to care about it. I'm more of the mm -hmm. camp is like, well, if you got a secret, you should tell everybody at the table out of character. Yeah. That usually yeah. means at least one person is going to drive really hard to uncover it, which I think is <laughs> like, that's a fun dance that you and that other player can like uh, move between. But like, yeah, I, I, I want to make sure that like, if you come up with something to for your character and it is important to your character that like, you know how to do it and you feel like you know how to pace it in a way that feels authentic tick right right and uh at the new session zero we didn't talk about it but there are multiple characters yep there yep no there's there's three all uh, three of the characters for sure have secrets that i only only i know about and there's plans for reveals for every single one of them i mean that rules that rules especially mm -hmm. like if it's there's a stuff. moment that like players know that they are pushing towards or looking for that then that like that moves it from being an isolated activity where you are just trying to figure out things on your own to a collaborative thing, to something that you're working yeah. on either with your DM or the other players at the table. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I love how powerful uh, this makes players too. Like, I think there's a lot of misconception for newer players to tabletop about the DM being 
all powerful mm-hmm. and and have all the decision making power. And it sounds like your book gives gives people empowers players to take that initiative and and communicate those <clears throat> things properly in DMs as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I strongly recommend that, but that is also my play style. Like I do know some people yeah. who are like really really happy with being the the sole god figure is dm but like i i don't truck with that very well um uh, and most of the games that i've played in i i don't think it felt as fun um so i really encourage people to like take big swings with your ideas and like take those ideas to your dm take those ideas to the other people at the party uh, at the table in your party because like if it doesn't work they can just say no or suggest an alternative. Like yeah, you might chase that, chase those dragons, man. <laughs> Definitely. It's, speaking of like you, you were saying it gives the players power. It also gives the players like a stake in the narrative as players, right? Like right, yeah, their fingerprints. The yeah, their fingerprints are now all over this. So they're they're invested in like, well, what what's gonna happen? Highly preferred as my style of play as well. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it really as a game. It becomes better when everybody is participating in similar ways and having a lot of fun with it, you know, pushing pushing for the things they want and making the story have an arc that they yeah, got their fingerprints on and they'll be proud of it at the end. Mm-hmm, definitely. Okay, James. Well, is there anything you wanted to add before we talk a little bit more about your podcasts and uh, maybe a little bit more about these books? Uh, gosh, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I-, I will say one ethos of collaboration that I follow, uh, something I, I mm-hmm. have a heavy background in improvisation. I, I studied at Second nice. City and IO in Chicago. Um, and a lot of people are familiar with the concept of yes and the idea of building on each other's ideas. One thing that I learned mm-hmm. in the Second City Conservatory, a kind of refinement of the yes and idea is make choices important. Um, when Mm. people say things, when they introduce material to your games, um, and put something out there, uh, it is a choice that they are making, whether they feel very Mm -hmm. strongly about it or not, doesn't matter. They are still introducing a choice. You either as the DM or as a player can make a choice to really emphasize and underscore everything that, that people are doing. Like if, somebody is deciding that like their weapon is a boomerang you can actually do some interesting narrative stuff by making that an important choice even if it's not something that the player is expecting or anticipating um making the things that people bring to you like really central to what you're doing holding them sacred uh that's something that you can do as a dm like two people's backstories and the information they give you that's something that you can do as a player with your backstory by really thinking about you know like if the dm's like oh yeah this is the eternal city and the infinite dungeon is beneath it like investing in your backstory that like yeah well my i come from a long family of people who you know depend on the infinite dungeon for for our work and labor and whatnot you are making that setting choice more important and you're going to lead to like a better experience for everybody because when somebody like notices something that you've done and they invest their creativity in it and they care about it like it feels great it's it's a it huge does. impact really absolutely i couldn't agree more absolutely <clears throat> um so you you are the dungeon master for your own podcast um 
the name of is the so i have two shows i have a show called mm -hmm. one shot uh where we play one shots in as many different role-playing games as possible um we've been going about nine years now we've featured hundreds of different systems uh so it's just uh it, it's been a long trek uh and i've learned a lot uh that i've been able to take back to like you know the the first games that i played like like dungeons and dragons just learning lessons from the smallest and, and most surprising systems uh if there is something that you've been curious about uh in role playing there's a very good chance that we've already like run a a one shot in it we release our episodes as like hour long chunks but like they're all <clears throat> self-contained one shot stories uh and there's there's a lot to explore and discover there um the next is campaign skyjacks which is a uh ongoing campaign that is an original setting uh based on folk tales and the music of the decemberists it's kind of like a cool. sky pirate uh, themed thing. If, if you're familiar with uh, the game Illimat uh, by Keith Baker, uh, that's a it's a tabletop uh, card game that's like sort of like developed to be to feel like a classic card game, but have a few modern game mechanics in it. Uh, it was a collaboration between him and the Decemberists, and that game is like a central piece to how the world uh, in Campaign Skyjacks functions. Um, wow. It's, uh, yeah, it, I would say of the work that I have done, I am proudest of Skyjacks. There's a lot of really cool stuff in it. That's super cool, man. Um, when it comes to the one-shot uh, series that you have, you said you've tried hundreds of systems. What are some of like the, the shining standouts over the years? <laughs> In my opinion, the best mm. designed role-playing game of all time mm. is called Starcrossed. It was designed by Alex Roberts. It is a romance RPG for two players, uh, a forbidden romance RPG, uh, where you play Ooh. two characters who are really, really into each other, but have a really, really good reason keeping them apart. And instead of dice or cards or other mechanics like that, there is a Jenga tower in the middle of the table. And Anytime the characters do something that increase intimacy between them, you pull a brick from the tower and play <laughs> Jenga. Oh my gosh. If one I love of you already. if one of you knocks the tower over, your character acts on their feelings. And it can happen way too soon. And in that case, okay. it's like, oh, the timing's wrong. It doesn't feel right. It's a huge disaster <laughs> that blows up in everybody's face. You can play an entire wow. game where the tower never falls over. You go through all eight rounds and like they the characters can't. like simmer in tension and just walk away from each other. Or the tower falls over at exactly the right moment. They fall madly in love and run away together. It is sensational. Every rule is important. Every rule underscores the core experience of, of what that game could be. And most of the stories that I have heard uh, from this game are breathtaking and, and beautiful. Wow. Starcrossed, you said. Starcrossed, yeah. <clears throat> it sounds incredible. I got to look into this. This uh, sounds amazing. It's it's great. <laughs> uh, I, I have used it uh, many times to enhance ongoing campaigns where I'm just like, hey, mm. we're about to introduce a villain that you've got some tension with. We're going to play Starcrossed to figure out what your previous relationship with this villain was like. Wow. wow. That's awesome. I really like that. Yeah. That's cool. It would like, and uh, man, it, it it came out beautifully. Starcrossed, I highly, highly recommend. Um, 
especially like if you've got a partner at home who's like maybe kind of into role-playing games but never tried it before Starcrossed is like a two-hour experience and mm. it is a great way to flirt with somebody man <laughs> <laughs> i'm into it that's really cool awesome um, it, just out of curiosity, so we here at the Dungeon Cast, we're uh, primarily Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Next year, we're probably going to set out on an endeavor to test other systems just for the fun of it and for also, you know, comparison uh, reasons. Um, have you have you tried your hand at Second, digi- second Edition Pathfinder yet? I have not. I, I find okay. that uh, most, like, Pathfinder D&D things, and, like, obviously Pathfinder in Second Edition has transformed its mechanics the feeling of the game is quite similar. Um, right. Like, so you're not going to be really in foreign territory. Uh, it'll it'll mm-hmm. be like the same experience uh, by different ways. And like, obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they've got their own creative things. It will it'll it'll be fun. But I compare the experience of playing like Pathfinder versus D and D to more playing like it feels more like playing a different setting of D and D, even if the mechanics are different. Um, okay. And I, okay. I consider that like 13th age is, is very similar feeling to me. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, these are all different kinds of D&D. And like, it, it's right. cool. It's cool. But like, yeah. it's like the difference between Spelljammer and Forgotten Realms. Like, they're definitely different and different mm-hmm. in cool ways that are like useful. Uh, but like, yeah, I, I know a bunch of people who design stuff for, for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. And I really respect all of those designers. So... I got to mm. say, you're probably in for a really good time. Cool. That's, that's nice to hear. Um, and yeah, I do see your point, though. I I mean, I have played Pathfinder 1st Edition. I played 4E D&D. And though all three, 5E, um, are very different, it does come down to, like, we're still playing the same type of game. Uh, the uh, thing that I'll throw out there, if you are, like, really into D&D, you, you love it as, like, one of your core things, um, and you're mm-hmm. looking to try a, a game that has some similar vibes but definitely shifts up the experience a lot, uh, Keith Baker, who designed uh, Eberron, like, if you're Eberron, familiar yeah. with that, uh, mm-hmm. like, created a game called Phoenix Dawn Command that is a really, really compelling, like, central focus fantasy RPG where you play these uh, beings called phoenixes that are, like, kind of adventuring heroes. Um, And the advancement mechanic in the game is every time you die, you get reborn as a more powerful version of yourself. And you can do that seven times. And the way you advance on like your tracks depends on how you die. Like if you died making a sacrifice versus died failing to do something versus died like uh, embroiled in revenge or whatnot, like these inform your tracks of advancement. It is a card-based system where your character is a deck of cards. Like like you you get a deck that is your character sheet in a way. Mm -hmm. It is... A phenomenal game uh kind of undersung and underloved but like if you're familiar with a D type experience and you want something like that's just a little bit different phoenix on command is so cool it's so cool okay. that sounds right up my alley yeah that sounds like something i definitely want to try yeah we'll definitely add it to the list it's going to be we're going to be tackling quite a few next year but that's that's really cool here thank you for the suggestions of course yeah um yeah, and shout out to Keith Baker killing indeed, it. Indeed, absolutely. Keith just knocking out banger after banger. Shout out to Team Gorgon. Oh yeah. 
So if our audience is interested in getting your book, I'm sure many of them are, where is the best place for them to go get it? Uh, so it should be in kind of every retailer you can imagine. All the major online retail retailers, of course, um, major brick and mortars like Barnes & Noble. Uh, of course, I recommend that you go to your friendly local game store or uh, an indie local brick and mortar. Um, for those, you might need to call ahead um, because it's much more common for people to have D&D player guide on the shelf uh, rather than uh, my books. But right. like, if if you're going in a big place, it's definitely going to be there. Um, but really call ahead to the independent places. They need your money more. Yeah, they need your support for sure. Definitely buy local. So if you guys are interested in James's work, uh, obviously the, the big book is the Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, Expanded Genres Edition. Also check out his podcast, One Shot and Skyjacks. Campaign Skyjacks. Campaign Skyjacks. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, James. It was, it was wonderful having you Th on. Thank you so much for having me. I had a delight. Thanks, James. It was Yo, great we'll having you. We'll have to you. have you on again. Dungeon Cast.